Dear Heavenly Father, just hallowed be your name, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this church. Lord, we just ask that you be here and guide this service from beginning to end, the worship time and the children's church. We just thank you for all you do for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I uh, had to change my uh, opening a little bit, dealing with some stuff and uh, talking to a friend of mine, and I said, well, this doesn't, I need, I want to talk about some other stuff, and that doesn't fit the opening I was working on. And he said, that is perfect. That's how the Lord will speak through you. And so some of this, I feel like it's what the Lord wants us to hear, and uh, I found some realizations doing this opening, doing a little studying. I'll get to it. But uh, I want to talk about giving it to God. You know, uh, okay, let's start with Philippians 4, 6, and, six. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. So it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so, uh, we're going through some medical stuff at our house, and, uh, you know, I still get, I'm still human, I get anxiety and, and uh, worry about stuff, even though I'm praying, uh, Makes it hard to sleep a little bit and focus. Anyhow, uh, I started thinking, I mean, yesterday, started on this, give it to God. You know, and what does it mean to give it to God? Giving it, giving it to God means placing your trust in him, letting him have the control and taking it completely for you. You must let go of it. If you're gonna give it to God, you, gotta, you just have to give it to God. Stop holding on to it. Hand it over to him and stop fighting to keep control of it. Uh, you know, I admit I'm hard-headed. I, 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 will, I will work on something until I finally ask the Lord to help me with it because that's, I, I don't know, that's how I am. Uh, I think I can handle the problems that come along. Like I say, usually... Uh, it's mechanical, you know, I'm out in the field. Um, I do the farmer fix and keep something going all day just by making something work. Uh, but I found that Craftsman doesn't make some of the tools needed to deal with some of the problems we face. <laughs> Even the fancy stuff, the snap-on, they just don't have the tools. Don't make them. Anyhow, uh, so, uh, you know, my trust in the Lord helps me turn to him sooner. I think about it sooner now than what I used to. I used to ha just have to run into the problem and can't get any further and then ask God to, to guide me, help me. Uh, I have Matthew eleven twenty eight written down. I'm not sure which, if I'm supposed to say that one right now. Uh, Matthew 11. 
2029. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you give your problems to God, you get that uh, rest. You, you, uh, you get that uh, peace. You know, uh, it's kind of, I mean, if, if we write it down, usually, because we pray about something, and then kind of, we'll pray for it for a while, and then kind of forget about it, and especially when you're in the heat of a battle of a, of a problem, and you start praying for it again, or the Lord's hand moves, and you go back and you look at what you had written down, it's like, what, I already prayed for that two weeks ago. It's amazing. He comes through. He, uh, he's fighting for us. You know, I le- in my morning prayers, I give him my day. First of all, you know, use me. Use me today. Uh, sometimes I'm not sensitive enough, you know. Caleb had that opening about just talking to somebody, you know. And sometimes I feel exactly that way, that... I'm not sensitive enough to somebody or I'm busy. I don't know. But I want him to use me. He knows that. Uh, You know, we don't know what's coming in our day. Uh, So I just ask for the Lord's guidance. I pray for my wife. I pray for safety. You know, we got all these big trucks and we're running up and down the road. Leanne's running up and down the road. Carla, we're all out doing something. Just ask for safety in in our travels. Uh, Praying for others. Uh, we know those that are hurting around us or sick. And uh, I ask for, I thank him for uh, the work he's provided for me and to bless the farmers I work for. Uh, pray for my wife and my children over my home. Call it the hedge of protection. I believe that he does that. I know he does. Uh, giving God my mind. I asked him to help keep me... Keep, help him keep himself on my mind. So, you know, when you're having a conversation with somebody, there's always a spot to interject. You know, even if these people aren't uh, Christians or, you know, they're talking the way they talk, and it's like, I've done it before. I said, hey, well, we need the Lord. The Lord's the only way you're going to get through this. Or, you know, I might even be in a group of people. I was at the at the potato conference talking to some guys. And I said, well, the Lord blesses us. You know, I said something simple. And one of the field men, uh, I agree. You know, I was, I just feel like, you know, keeping the Lord up front. And it's nice to have someone say that. Uh, let's see. Well, I keep asking to keep him on my mind. So I can listen to someone's issues and, and add Jesus to the conversation. And it says 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of, our mer- of mercies 
and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any, are in any trouble with the comfort with the comfort which what? with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You don't even know what your simple, what you think are your simple words, adding Jesus into the conversation can do to do for somebody. Uh, surrender to God fully, you know. That's, when we give it to God, we gotta let it go. We need to give it to God and let go of it. Um, and you know, going through this, I see, I, I wrote down problem. I find, I direct God on how to answer my prayers. You know, uh, asking the Lord for my will. And I, I'm trying to stop doing that, but I still catch myself every once in a while trying to direct God how to answer my prayer. Anyhow, because that's, that's not giving it all to God. Uh, you know, and then, uh, so I looked up, at this point, I looked up surrender in the dictionary. I got two different, or I got two, yeah, two different dictionaries, and they basically are so, saying the same thing. The action of yielding one person or giving up the possession of something into the power of another. The, and then this other one, it's an Oxford dictionary. Cease resistance to an enemy or an opponent, opponent and submit to their authority. And I was like, okay, there's gotta be more to it than that because God's not my enemy and he's not my opponent. Oh, or is he? You know, am I telling God what I, my will instead of his own? That's why we gotta release it. Uh, when we try to do things our way and instruct God how to handle the situation, we actually treat him like an opponent. And I'm guilty of that. Uh, I'm working on that. Uh, we need to give it fully to God and let go, of, let go of the wheel. That's what they always say. Give, God, give it to God, let him take the wheel. Uh, trusting in God is, is having peace that he is who he says he is. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Uh, I, I, I find it, you know, reading a scripture like that, I kind of find it easier to, I mean, I can trust in the Lord on that because I can't plan, I can't see the, and, uh, you know, I'll take the wrong road. I know I will. It looks nice and scenic, but it's the wrong road. Trust the Lord to, uh, and his plans for us. Uh, his plans for our future, for us to dwell with him in his presence. Uh, I don't usually put out like a challenge, I guess, but I'd say if... Uh, if I was going to challenge anybody, I, I would say try to use, you try to, every conversation you have, talk about the Lord. I mean, whatever you're talking about, uh, 
your plans or your uh, or or what you're doing, or talking to somebody, just mention the Lord. Well, I think that's uh, and I wrote down share this good news with all we meet. Well, let me pray for uh, the worship team and uh, have you guys come up. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the worship team. Lord, we just ask you to uh, just guide us in, in the worship. Bless them for stepping up and leading us in worship. Lord, we just ask you to be here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning and welcome. It is good to be here again. This morning, it's exciting to come, to be able to come and just listen to testimony, worship together, share together, pray together. It's powerful. <clears throat> That's what we're called to do. Uh, marriage class that we have been having is be at 4.30 this afternoon, just before I forget. Um, so uh, 4.30 here, right here in the sanctuary, we'll be meeting. <clears throat> this morning, we're going back to Ephesians. So we finished the first three chapters of Ephesians, and they were kind of setting the foundation, setting, it seemed like it was a lot of repetition, <clears throat> which is good because we need to hear, I need to hear the same things a lot over and over. So we hear the same things, and now we're going to move into <clears throat> chapter four. Some of the practical, more practical application of Ephesians. So Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to do verses 1 through 16 this morning. So if you want to follow along with me, you can. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, <clears throat> with which you were called, with all loveliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended for above, far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ." from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Father, again, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would <clears throat> share with us this morning what you have. I pray that you would bless it. In your name we pray, amen. So Paul is again talking, he's, he's writing this under house arrest. Remember we said last week, 
and he was under house arrest for preaching the gospel, which was his choice. He chose to do, knowing full well that it could put him in this position, but he is still teaching, and he's still speaking, and he's still sharing, and he's still encouraging people, even from where he is. Are we living worthy of our calling? Are we living worthy of our calling? What have we been called to do? We've been called to share the gospel. We've been, God to sh- we've been called to share the love of God with people. And the first question this morning is, are we worthy? Are we living worthy of our calling? Are we accomplishing what we've been called to do? And it may look different for each one of us. It might, it might be in a different area. It might be in a different realm. But essentially, we're all called to do the same thing. And that's to share the love of Christ, to stand up for what's right, to stand up for truth, and to share the gospel with people. Are we living worthy of our calling? <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 through 30. And it says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ." Is our conduct, is the way that we live, is the way that we talk, is the way that we act worthy of our calling? Are we living worthy of our calling? Can we learn to love others the way that God does? And this is very, very difficult sometimes, to love others the way that God. And there is not, <clears throat> we, will never, we will never perfect that while we live here. We can strive to do the best that we know how, and we can strive to follow the example that Christ has set, but that's not something that I will, I don't think I'll ever be able to accomplish that while I'm here, because we live in an imperfect world. Galatians, we just went through Galatians, but I'm going to read Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If we're going to live according, if we want the fruits of the Spirit to be evident in our life, we need to learn to live according to the Spirit. We need to live, learn to live according to our calling, which is to share the gospel with one another. And no, we're not going to do it perfect, and no, we aren't going to do it exactly correct while we live here, but we have examples to follow, and if we are trying to follow these examples, then hopefully it will make sense to the world. But if we are not trying to follow these examples, then it isn't going to make any sense. Colossians chapter 3, verses uh, 12 through 17 Therefore, as the elect of God, holy 
and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which, you, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Put on, uh, where did it go? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's not what I was looking for. It talks about putting on, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. <clears throat> We're gonna get into that just a little bit, uh, in a little bit, about, about loving as God loves, because that is, that is extremely difficult. There's certain people that are really easy to love that you get along with and you see the same and you agree, and there's other people that are not easy to love. But you know, God doesn't call us, God doesn't ask us just to love the people that are easy for us to love. He calls us to love everybody. And I don't know about you, but there's definitely people that are easier to love than other people. I'm not going to say any names because it doesn't matter. We are still called to love everybody the way that Christ loves people. And that's hard. That's really hard to do. If we get back to Ephesians and it starts talking about, <clears throat> uses the number one here quite a few times, the seven ones that it talks about. It says in verse four, there is one body and one spirit so one spirit is creating one body. The one spirit of God is creating one body of Christ. This is just where we meet as a congregation here, but the body of Christ is everywhere. It is in everybody that has claimed the name of Jesus, that has confessed their sins. That is the body of Christ, and that is the one body that this one spirit has created. There's one Lord Jesus Christ creating one hope and one faith and one baptism. One, one, one. There's only one. The world will try to tell us and tell you or me that there are a lot of different ways to get to God. There are a lot of different ways that we can get to heaven. <clears throat> and it may sound a little bit narrow or a little bit... Uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? One, there's only one way. There is only one way. First Timothy 2.5 says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is the Christ, the man Christ Jesus. That is the way. That is the, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We can only get to heaven, we can only get to the Father through Jesus Christ. That is the only way. Well, there's got to be more than one way. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we can believe, and there's all kinds of things in the world that we can focus on or, or put our belief in or put our hope in, and I just want to tell you that everything else that you put your hope in in this world will fail you. But if you keep your hope and you put your hope in the one God, in the one faith, in the one spirit, in the one body that we have, if you keep your hope in that, and in him will never disappoint. 
He will never let you down. He will never leave you alone. He will always be guiding you. He will always be walking with you if we are willing to listen, if we're willing to hear what he is trying to tell us, if we're willing to try to live worthy of our calling. He won't let you down. That's where our hope should be. That's where our hope needs to be. And that's what people in our world, whether they're peacefully protesting or whatever they're doing, if we miss the point of the hope that we have in Christ, we have missed everything. It's so important that we point people, if we're living according to our calling, if we're living worthy of our calling, we need to be pointing people to what that hope is. As we keep going just a little bit, we should, we're going to be, we're talking just a little bit about unity here, and we should strive for unity because there is only one way to God. And we can unify around the fact that there is only one way to God. There might be <clears throat> other things that we don't quite agree on or that we see a little bit different or we understand a little bit different or we interpret a little bit different, but when it comes to the fact of Jesus Christ being the only way to get to heaven, that's what we can unify around. And I think too often we try to unify around other things and we end up dividing in the process of trying to unify. And unity only works when we can see we have the same common goal. We all have the same calling in Christ. Are we living worthy of our calling? But to each, in chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 7, it says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ, Jesus, gave us grace because it was his to give. It was his to give. And in receiving his grace, can we pass that grace on to others? Can we have grace for maybe these people that we live with or work with or are around or they're part of our family that we don't get along with very well? Can we extend the grace that God has given to us? Can we extend it to them? And if you wonder who the crazy person in your family is, it might be you. Psalm 68:18 says you have ascended on high you have led captivity captive you have received gifts among men even from the rebellious that the Lord God might dwell there it talks about <clears throat> excuse me in Ephesians it talks about now this he ascended what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things Christ was in heaven, and he descended here to earth to live with us. Why would he want to do that? Because he wants a relationship with us. He created us. He could have created us to do anything he wanted, but he created us with a choice, and in, a ch in giving us a choice, he then came back here to minister to people that were here. And he came here to set an example for us, but he could have came and then he could have left, but he wouldn't have accomplished what he was here for. So he not only came here, but he also died here. But the good news is, and the hope that we have is that he didn't stay dead here. He rose again here and presented himself and allowed himself to be seen here so that people would believe that he had risen from the dead. And then after that, he ascended back up to heaven, where he sits right now and waiting. And at some time, at some point, and nobody knows when that's going to be, he's going to come back. 
He's going to come back for us, and that's what we are looking forward to. But in the meantime, he has us living here for a reason. He has us living here with a calling. Are we living worthy of our calling? He gave each one of us, as we keep going in, in Ephesians, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to be a, per- to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He gave us gifts. And these aren't necessarily the spiritual gifts. These maybe are more the physical gifts that he gave us. You know, um, I read a couple of things that really stuck out to me this week. And one of the things that I read is together, we can obey God more fully than any of us could alone. Together, we can obey God more fully than any of us ever could alone. And I I started thinking about what does that really mean? But God gave us these gifts. He gave us these gifts to use, to operate in. And we need all of them. And so I could operate in what my gift is, and it would make a difference to a certain extent, but not nearly the difference it would make in me operating in my gift alongside of all of you operating in your gifts. You want to talk about being able to make a difference. That'll make a difference. We talk about unity and working together, and you know, I I don't claim to know a lot about how engines run, okay, at all, in fact, but the gifts that Christ is talking about, he's talking about apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, I thought there was one more, prophets is the other one, and I was just thinking a couple of little small illustrations, if you have an engine and you need a starter for that engine, and the evangelist maybe is like the starter, The evangelist likes to go out and share God's love with people and and get people excited about Christ and no fault of the evangelist, that's what his gift is. My grandpa was an evangelist. He liked to share the love of God with people, which we should all be doing, but he liked to do that, but that was where his strength was. But then when it came to discipling them, Maybe that wasn't quite what his strength was. And so just evangelizing and reaching people with the gospel and getting people excited about Christ, which is really important and really good because we gotta get this body moving. We gotta get it started. And then we need the other gifts to come alongside to work with people. And you know, the other thing I was thinking about with an engine and all the internal parts of the engine that run, if you didn't have any oil in the engine, it would tear itself apart. And the gift of a pastor is to kind of help people work together and get along and provide the oil, if you will, so that we don't tear each other apart. There's uh, there's different giftings that we have, and yours isn't more important than mine, and mine isn't more important than yours, but if if we're only operating on mine, then we're doing it wrong. If we're only operating on yours, we're doing it wrong. We need everybody's working together. And here's the other saying that I read this week that really stuck with me, and it says our human tendency is to overestimate what we can do ourselves 
and to underestimate what we can do as a group. Our human tendency is to overestimate what we can do by ourselves and underestimate what we can do as a group. And this can be true in a lot of different areas of life. We have an orchard that I work at and manage, and we have, in one block, we have about 12,000 trees, and we're doing one job, taking that leader, and we're putting a little rubber band type thing around it and hooking it to the wire. That's it, every tree, every two and a half feet or whatever it is. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I'll just work on this throughout the winter a little bit each day, and I can probably get it done. I'm not done. And I'm not going to get it done because that's not the only thing that I'm trying to do. But again, it just was a good reminder of me that I very often overestimate what I can do by myself. I do it a lot. I catch myself doing it. I mean, after reading this, I look at a lot of different things I do, and I am very optimistic that I can get a lot of things done by myself. But what I don't take into consideration is that I do have six people working for me, and if I were to take those six people and do the thing that I was going to try to do by myself, they'd be done in about three days. It's really easy for us to overestimate what we can do by ourselves to underestimate what we can do as a group. The same thing is true right here in our church body. You don't have to do it yourself. If we have a work day here, which we have one coming up in March, if we have a work day and one person is here, there's only so much they're gonna get done. You might have all the good intentions in the world, but there's still only so much you're going to get done. But if we have 50 or 60 people show up, it's amazing to see what can get done. And it's fun and it's enjoyable because we can work together. And you bring your talents and I'll bring my talents and we can put them together and we can get a lot done. But when we come here on Sunday morning, why, not, why can't we do the same thing? Because God has given each, each of us a gift or gifts, sometimes more than one. But he didn't give all of them to one person. I mean, maybe there are people that are that way. Generally speaking, you're gonna have one or maybe a mixture of two. But it takes Everybody working together to make a difference. Can you imagine if the body of Christ, and not just our local one here, but the whole body of Christ, were to bring these gifts together and use them the way God intended them to be? Can you imagine the difference that would make in our world? If we can't do that here, if we as the body of Christ can't do that here, how in the world is anybody else supposed to see or know how that's supposed to work? There's businesses that have it figured out because they'll hire people that will fill a certain spot and they all work together and it works very good. Are we willing to use the gift that God gave us to be worthy of our calling? We are to use these gifts to edify, to encourage, to unify, so that all may know the gospel. I want to read Isaiah 28. Verses 9 and 10. Whom will he teach knowledge, and whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk, 
those just drawn from the breasts, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. The people are saying, why is he teaching us as though we don't know anything? He keeps saying these things over and over again, and we've heard it, we know it, we know what we're supposed to do. The problem is their hearts were being hardened to what was being taught, and they weren't doing it. And what God says is if you won't listen here to what I'm trying to tell you a little bit at a time, line upon line, precept upon precept, day by day, every day we learn and we read and we study, and if you're not going to listen to that, I am going against the children of Israel, and that day I am going to allow somebody else, another nation that doesn't believe in me, I'm going to lift that hedge of protection, if you will, and I'm going to allow them to come in and teach you what I'm talking about. Because you won't listen. Are we just little kids that we keep hearing the same thing? Sometimes we come and we read different things in scripture and, it, and to me it can feel like we just, we just went over that. We just did that. I just talked about that last week. So how am I supposed to get something new out of what's next? But God says, no, you keep teaching the truth. Keep teaching the truth. We need to hear it. I need to hear it all the time. Because I forget and I get distracted and I start living life and I start thinking that I'm more important than I should be and I start thinking that I can do more by myself than I can with everybody else. Without this way of teaching, we wouldn't learn. And then God may use other ways to teach us and believe me, these other ways that he's talking about to Israel were not very pleasant ways to learn Let's get into the word. Let's know what we believe. Let's stand for what is right. And let's speak up when it's appropriate. If we go back to Ephesians just for a second. In verse 14, it says that we should no longer be children. See, this is back referring back to Isaiah. Why do you keep teaching us as though we're kids? We're school children. We haven't learned anything yet. And here in Ephesians, it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Speaking the truth in love, this is not easy to do. There's sometimes, and, and, and some, giftings, some giftings would be really easy to just speak the truth, need to speak the truth, but the problem is if we don't surround that with love, people are going to miss the whole point. Uh, there's a verse in Zechariah that I want to read, verse cha Zechariah chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. These are the things you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor. And do not love a false oath, for all these are things that I hate, says the Lord. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor. And do not love a false oath. It seems like today we are... 
we or the world or whoever it is is always searching for something new. We're searching for something bigger and something better. And so something new comes along and we follow after that for a little bit until we realize that it kind of fades away. And then we follow after the next thing for a little bit until that kind of fades away. Can we, can we learn from what we're, what we're reading here? And when you are reading and when you're spending your time in the word, can we learn what we're reading even though sometimes it seems like it's the same thing? Can we learn not to be distracted by all these new things that might come along? Because God's word is still the same today as it was then and it's not going to change. It's always going to be the same and we don't have to change everything. We don't have to make everything fancy and new because God's word is still the same. Let's not be swayed or tossed to and fro by every new thing that might come along. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show truth by our actions. The kids are coming back in. We're going to have communion here in just a little bit. Let's not merely say that we love one another. But let's show it by our actions. Let's show by what we do. Let's show by the things that we say. We can speak the truth in love. Yes, we need to learn how to do that. We need to do, learn how to do that correctly. If we don't know how to do it, is it better to just keep our mouth shut? Maybe. It might be. You might be right. Or if you feel like you need to speak the truth to somebody, but you don't know how to do it in love, you better find someone to take with you that can kind of make it better in a sense, if you will. Speaking the truth in love can be dangerous, it can be uncomfortable, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. It takes discernment. We have to understand, we have to realize, we have to pay attention, we have to listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling us if we're going to do that. We need each other. If we're going to do things, if we're going to think that we can do more on our own and we're going to continue to, to live that way and we're going to overestimate what we can do by ourselves, then we, would, then we would find ourselves not thinking that we need each other. But the fact of the matter is we really do need each other. We should learn to lean. We should learn to depend on one another. With Jesus at the center, depending on each other. In this way, we can effectively minister. We can effectively live up, hopefully, to our calling. We can hopefully live worthy of our calling. Question before we move towards communion. What is the gift that God gave you? What gift has God given you? And the second question is, are you using it? If you want to know, if you're not sure, ask somebody else, they'll tell you. Because it's a lot easier to see somebody else's than it is to see your own. But don't, don't ask if you don't want to hear what it is. Are you using the gift or gifts that God gave you? Together, we can obey God more fully than any one of us could 
alone. And that's only because of the gifts that he has given us. It's the only reason that that's true. All right. We're going we're gonna... to... Let's pray before we move on to have communion. Father, we thank you so much for your love again. Lord, I pray that you would help us to speak your truth. Lord, help us to be sensitive. Help us to be discerning. Help us to be willing to hear. Lord, if it's truth that needs to be spoken to me, I pray that you would help me to hear. Prepare my heart to hear what it is. Thank you, Father, for your word. I just pray that as we continue to search and read and study, that you would continue to lead us and guide us. Thank you, Father, for your love. In your name we pray, amen. I'm gonna have the deacons and elders that are here, if you would come up, and uh, we're gonna hand out the things for communion. And I'm gonna read in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And while we're handing them out, this is what I want you guys to be thinking on. It's not between me and you, whether you can take communion, it's between you and God. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. While we pass these things out, I just want you to examine yourself. It's not my job to examine you. It's, you, it's between you and God. But I encourage you, examine yourself, and if you <clears throat> want to take communion with us, you are welcome to do so. We're going to pass them out, and then we will all take them together here. Father, we thank you again for your love. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come here, meet together, encourage one another. Lord, uh, pray for one another. Bless one another. Lord, we just want you to receive all the glory and honor through everything that happens here. Bless the the fellowship time right after. I just pray that you would guide us, Lord, and help us to remember to live worthy of our calling. Thank you for your love again. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys can shake someone's hand and be dismissed.